<laughs> All right. So you're talking about in real life, in the situation that you're in, of going into doing a lot of psychological archaeology and using uh, statements like uh, getting it out or bringing it out in the open or other things um, like that. This is the old typical psychology that comes out of the Western mind, and it's also basically the way that Western, mental, uh, Western Buddhism practices meditation. And so let's look at that for just a moment, because um, basically that investigation that, uh, that I stress that is so important uh, that it's all over the place. It's in uh, the concept of right view itself. Right view is to keep investigating. Also, it's a uh, factor of enlightenment. When we're constantly investigating, when we have unremitting investigation, then that becomes an enlightenment factor. <clears throat> Except we're only going to be doing the investigation to identify it in the sense of is it wholesome or is it not wholesome. If it is not wholesome, we immediately throw it out and keep the wholesome. There's also a sutta, there's number 19, two kinds of thought, wholesome thought and unwholesome thought. And when we're digging around in the past, whether we're filling out a form or reminiscing or doing some sort of assignment like that or archa uh, psychological archaeology, in those cases, we, um, we can see the suffering but then we can re-experience that suffering in the sense of the longings and uh, um, of putting up with things that we don't want to put up with. And so when people start to meditate, they begin to do the same thing. If they're doing the Mahasi method, they start noting the, uh, the thoughts that are coming up and continuing to note, it, uh, note them, kind of looking for dukkha. Now, they've already kind of identified Dukkha, but now they're doing the psychological archaeology of why. Okay, we always want to get down to the roots of things or whatever like that. All right. But the Buddha's method is completely different. No, you do not have to dig up the roots. You don't have to do that. But in fact, that digging is unnecessary. You can merely walk away from that tree. You don't have to cut it down, and you don't have to dig it up. <laughs> you can just walk away from it. I mean, that's... I, I, I have been working on the, the five... What's the word? Hindrances and stuff in meditation, and uh, um, sometimes it's as easy as seeing it, and, and sometimes seeing it just leads to more aversion, just leads to more restlessness. And um, But I'm sure you have many more tricks, yeah. so I'm sorry. <laughs> I think my sound went bad here. I can still hear you fine. Now I can hear you. Okay. Is it going to go off again? Huh? Uh, are we? 
now. All right. Go ahead and talk to me so I can hear you. Uh, yeah, you got it. Well, uh, the, okay, got it. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, if we can see dukkha early, in other words, if our if our investigation is good and our wisdom is sharp, then we can see it immediately as unwholesome. This is why uh, it's a good idea to stress to the student how to identify all of these various hindrances so that we can recognize them quickly and come out of them quickly. And yet, going, dig, digging around in the past is actually in the point of time when we're digging in the past is generally not comfortable. It's generally unsatisfying. Yeah. And so the way of becoming satisfied is literally not digging up old unsatisfactory stuff. You see what I mean? I mean, I, I do and I don't. Uh, the uh, With the amount of carnage that a person has from addiction and trying to set it all right, I mean, uh, this is feeling like as much as it was painful to do, it's feeling wonderful now that I'm, I'm talking my way through it. Um, okay. But, um, uh, I, I mean... You still occasionally give yourself a pity party, though. Uh, more than occasionally, yeah. Okay, poor me, exactly. So when those pity parties start, that's the time to say, aha, I see you pity party. Or when you're in it. It's actually easier to get out of it when you first see it or when, when it first starts up and you catch it early. But once you've, um, let us say, grounded in, it's kind of like getting in a rut. It's sort of hard to get out of it, but you can as soon as you recognize it. That's the really important part. It's not, oh, let me stay in this rut. There's got to be a solution to this rut at the bottom of this rut someplace. Ah, but this is this is a salient point. I have noticed that I was actually maneuvering myself to be more and more miserable so that I could justify doing something stupid. Uh, well, no, justify escape because I didn't In feel... your own self, right. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's, a, there's a psychological incentive to, uh, to be miserable. Um, only because you're uh, under the delusion that that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> the well, facts could, are that could only be the case given the evidence. Right. Yeah. But that delusion is an old delusion and is easy to fall into. So that's also the let us say the the other rut. <laughs> it's easy to fall into because it's not the official party line in my head. Party line is like, yeah, I'm trying. I want to figure it out, and then, you know, underneath the surface is is like it's. Something, okay. something else is going on. Well, here's, here's the marvelous part. There's another party you can join. Come join our party. Come join the Buddha's party. 
Okay. The party where you can uh, 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 take your noisemaker out and, and blow it and uh, um, uh, uh, have a party. Make your <laughs> life a party, a real party, not a pity party. You've been having a pity party, and you can have a real party. And by the way, a pity party is where alcohol is served. <laughs> but a real party is uh, a cake and ice cream. <laughs> and so this is the kind of party to have, is um, uh, something delightful for yourself. And you can begin to generate that. And the time to generate it is when you recognize that you're about to have a pity party. And so you can decide, which would I rather have, a pity party or a real party? Because I'm always, you know, it's all in your head anyway. You might as well enjoy it. But you've been in the habit of being miserable. Mm -hmm. In that regard, you're just like everybody else. Your pity party is not as pitiful as some other people's parties. Take that. <laughs> Good point. Exactly. You're okay. You are not the loser that you have uh, cracked yourself up to be. And that that's also part of the uh, Eightfold Noble Path is to begin to change your attitude that you're not a loser, that you can do this, you can clean out the mind, you can throw out these hindrances and come to a happy state. I do, I mean, I do believe it. Um, it's just, <laughs> but it's you just don't have that, experience of it. I know, I know, I know. It, it, you know, it goes back and forth, right? You know, um, there's, there's times where I, you know, it's just plain as day. Yeah, I'm a human being. I got a teacher who knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, um, how knows? can I possibly fail? <laughs> You're right. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, there, then, then there's other times where it's, it's, um, you know, I've just keep messing up and keep messing up and. Um, no, it just keep, chill, chills my blood. And, pardon? Keep, if Sorry, you can watch, you won't mess up. So you have to keep watching. And so this, this is kind of the vigil that we're in, but we need to get into the habit of being in that vigil, in that uh, uh, vigilant state. We can call it a guard, that we can guard the mind so that we can um, begin to think wholesome thoughts and to start guarding against the unwholesome thoughts. I'm a, a recovering an addict is an unwholesome thought. I'm finished with that stuff. Now that's a wholesome thought. Done with that. I'm finished with that one. That's a wholesome thought. 
And so we need to start having wholesome thoughts, thoughts that uh, basically we can say that the wholesome thoughts would be into kind of three groups, just like the cause of suffering. And that would be wanting things, thoughts about wanting something. In other words, we're not satisfied with what we have now. But if we are in a state of satisfaction and not wanting things, then that's kind of a wholesome thought of being satisfied. Another kind of unwholesome thought is, I don't like what's going on and I want to change it. Rather than the wholesome thought would be, well, I can put up with that pretty well, I'm okay. I can handle it, at least right now. Maybe five minutes from now I can't handle it, but right now I can handle it. And we'll see about it in five minutes, but right now I can handle that. Okay, so that right now kind of uh, mentality, I can do it. And the most important point uh, in this sutta is the word himsa and abhihimsa, thoughts that are harmful as opposed to thoughts that are not harmful. Now, what I actually mean in one regard is thoughts of harming yourself, like, let me go get drunk to get out of my misery, knowing that it's going to bring on more. And so wisdom comes in, and we begin to have thoughts of non-harmful. Let me just sit here and be okay. I don't have to go out and do things that are going to be harmful for me. I don't have to say anything to anybody. I don't have to fix their problems, and I don't have to fix mine. I can ignore them and get away from them. I do not have to chop down that tree and dig it up by the root. I can just merely take a hike. Throw that stuff out of the mind. Let that tree and all of its roots and all the addictions and all the petty parties and say, I'm not going to think about that right now. I've had little glimpses of that, you know, in, in, in meditation. Because what, 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 uh, I've been working with some of these things that you've been telling me and, and what, it, what it feels, what, when it works, it's when my brain is convinced Oh, it's going to be a lot nicer if I just drop this and I'm able to drop it. When those two things, when, you know, my, my, my brain has those things, then right. it kind which of relaxes. Is, right, which is the wake up the sati and then the investigation and you recognize, hey, I can be better off by just dropping this stuff. In other words, we're saying, hey, this stuff is not worth doing right now. This thought is not worth having right now. And so then you can drop it. But you now have given yourself away. You have told me that you have done it. Yes. Yep, sometimes. Therefore, you can't, not sometimes, because sometimes I can do it. That's been the loser attitude. Let's go back with you have done that. Okay. Okay. You've done it more than once. It's true. You can do it again. I think I can. Yep. All right. That's where we're going. Don't get into this. Oh, well, sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. It's no, you have been able to do it. Capitalize on that. Okay. You have had success. And that success that you had can give you the confidence. It can give you the insight and the inspiration that you can do it again. Right now. <laughs> That's um, the reaction I'm looking for. Yes, you got it. That's the inspiration I'm talking about. You have that reaction right then in meditation. 
and get yourself into a good state. And then the trick is, can you maintain it? But the question is, can you get into it? Yes, I see that breath, too. That's it, the breathing. Mm -hmm. Take that deep, long breath. I can get that stuff out of the brine. I can, I can. You can do um, this, Kevin. I, I do believe it. I do believe it. Um, it's not a matter of I, belief. It's a matter of knowing because you've had the experience. You've done it. You've seen it done. You know it's done. It's not belief. Drop belief. <laughs> when, when I was in, in North Carolina as a monk, I would run across people um, all, all the time out, and uh, uh, Christians would come to the monastery and all kinds of things. And one of the common questions was, what do you believe? And my answer became, I don't believe in belief. I believe in investigation. Yeah. Okay. So when you say, I believe you, that that's a, like a red siren, that's a, a bullhorn, that's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, <laughs> all hands on deck, you know, battle station, battle station. No, it's not a matter of belief, it's a matter of experience and a matter of knowing that you can do it. So then you'll you say, hold- yes, I can do it. Could you hold, hold the thought that uh, the battery is going to run out and I need to get the cord? Okay. Take your pardon.
Uh, and the lights. Thank you for waiting. Okay, so we were <clears throat> we were talking about um, yes, you can, you can do it. It's not a matter of belief. Belief actually has no weight or no energy. In fact, belief is based upon nothing. There's no foundation under belief. Belief and faith, in fact, don't require any evidence at all. You just believe it because somebody said it. Okay? But an investigation requires evidence. Now, it's got to be real evidence, though it may not be evidence that you can put into a suitcase or drag into court, but you've seen it. You know you can do this. <laughs> you know you can do it because you've done it before. I've seen you do it right on on the screen in Skype. I saw you do it a few moments ago. Aha! I can do this. And that attitude needs to be developed. Because you don't have it very often. You have to remember to have the right attitude. This is what the Eightfold Noble Path really is all about. It took me a long time to figure that out. That it's actually a method of cleaning out the mind in this very moment. Of Santi, to wake up, take the effort, take a deep breath, to gladden the mind, to look at what you're doing, and to throw out the hindrances, and to be happy that you can throw them out. Satisfied. We gain inspiration from the Dhamma. We gain inspiration from the fact that I know I can do this. And, and that gives us great joy. The, the joy. the joy needs to be developed. It will give great joy, but it gives a little bit of joy immediately. Yeah, I can do that. And we've automatically, right then, taken our mind out of the state of dukkha into a state of sukha. And the body relaxes and we feel good and confident. So here's a common problem that I have. Um... With, with doing this is that uh, instead of going to um, feeling glad, um, I um, go into aversion. <laughs> you know? Yes, I know. Yeah. That's the hindrance. And you need to wake up and see that and say, I'm not going to go there. Okay. But it can feed off itself. Because what what it can be like? Oh, I'm in aversion. Oh, I'm doing it wrong, and it and it can and it can and it can spiral. Um, no, it can't. When you say I see I'm doing it wrong, let's throw all of those thoughts out and just relax and feel good. But once something you get to be developed, mm-hmm, something to be developed. You have to wake up to say I don't have to do that. I can throw those thoughts out and have good, wholesome thoughts instead. Thoughts that you're safe, because you are safe. 
the house that you live in is a safe house. They call it a safe house. And no one there in that house is dangerous to you. There's no enemies there. There's no one who's going to knife you or to yeah. put a pillow over your head in your sleep. You're not in danger, right? So actually, if wisdom looking around will say this is relatively safe compared to the same some of the things that I saw in my life this right now is safe so you can tell yourself that I have I can look around I can open my eyes and look around and say hey this is safe there's no one's attacking me right now and so if it's safe on the outside why can't we make it safe on the inside too The feelings that come up that I struggle with are um, a lot of it, you know, I'm not meeting the goals, you know. Yes, you uh, are. I, there are I'm no not, goals. I know that there aren't any goals. And, <laughs> um, um, You're already you know, good that, enough. That, but you see, you need to start telling yourself a different scenario. Because all of the scenarios that you tell yourself is learned behavior that you learned somewhere else from the outside. You may have, in fact, seen other children act as losers and getting taken care of. And so you decided, oh, I'll, be, I'll act like a loser. Maybe I can get taken care of, too. Oh, huge, huge family dynamic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Caretaking and stuff, yeah. And you can say, aha, I can see that. And when we say, aha, I can see that, we can say, out it goes. I do not have to have a pity party in order to get taken care of. That I'm already good enough. The, the, this is also done in Zen. When uh, part of the, the teaching of Zen is you're already enlightened. And from moment to moment, we are. And if we're moment to moment enlightened sometimes, then that means that we've got all the foundational stuff that we need to be enlightened. It's just, you know, sort of enlightened plus a wet blanket. And all we see is a wet blanket. But the enlightenment is already there, too. It was there all along. It just may be covered with a wet blanket. So you're already good. You're already okay, Devin. You're a winner. You're a champion. You just won't let yourself <clears throat> do that because of the old habit patterns of, oh, I can get more out of it if I pretend to be a loser. I can't argue with it. I mean, that's been my way of moving through the world for... Well, now we know that we've nailed you. <laughs> we've got it. <laughs> yeah. So that means that now all you have to do is nail it Every time, every time that starts up, you can see it. Aha, there's that loser again wanting to get taken care of. And so he makes himself a great big pity party, hoping that he'll get fixed. Guess what? Everybody does that. There is not one person who does not do that. If you want to see a very, very big, clear example of someone doing just that, 
look at Donald Trump this week. He is constantly throwing a pity party. Yeah. And so, um, being the victim. And so he's got so many enemies. This whole world would be great if it wasn't for those damn Democrats, you see. That's the pity party. So we play it at all levels. It doesn't matter how much money someone's got or what station in life they have. The likelihood of us playing pity so that we can get uh, uh, old compassion going or get someone else to convince them to do something or whatever so we can get what we want. It's very common. There's nothing unusual about you. Wouldn't say that, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of a lot of what it's it feels like is like there's these things that I'd like to do: have friends, make music, be stable, um, and then there's things but that I wouldn't like. Any of those things. Those are the I, goals that were set for you years ago. Yeah. So let's look at a different set of goals. A goal that can be reached immediately rather than a goal that's always way out there. You see, the whole way that society operates is with a carrot and a stick. And we're all the donkey carrying that uh, horse cart with some authority figure sitting in the cart wanting it to be pulled along and they've got the stick and they'll beat the donkey if the donkey doesn't carry it. But they also have a carrot out in front of the donkey. And as the donkey moves forward to try to get that carrot, the carrot moves along with him because the carrot's attached to the uh, vehicle itself, right? That means that the donkey is walking and going to get that carrot, and he never gets it. Or maybe on occasion he'll get that carrot because it's gotten old and they'll let him eat that one and then they'll put a new carrot in front of him. Alright? And that's our whole lives. Is that carrot out there always what we want is unattainable but almost. Okay? And if if the donkey had a human brain, the donkey could sit, could sit down and say, wait a minute. And sometimes donkeys do. Donkeys sometimes are pretty smart. <laughs> and so they with that carrot. I'm already okay. I don't need that carrot. Yeah. So those things that you say that you should be your life's goals should not be your life's goals. Your life goal should be, can I be happy right now? And the other end of that is all these things that I wish I wouldn't do, um, you know. Um, but if you were sitting happy right now, you wouldn't be doing any of those things. I know, it's very circular. <laughs> um, if you could allow yourself just to be happy, you wouldn't yeah. need any of that stuff. Well, and just, just to accept myself as I am, which isn't... Like you said, yes, it's very circular. Like, I can't accept myself as I am, so I act out on all these things that make it hard for me to accept myself as I am. Um, 
And but you were already okay, and all of that stuff that you have been taught to do so that you can be okay is what makes you un-okay. And then if you do nothing, okay, in school there is a thing uh, called the teacher's pet. That's the kid who want, who really needs the teacher. And so he's the one who brings the apple. He's the apple polisher. He tells the teacher how nice she is. And he's wanting things from her, okay? And the teacher's always very nice to him. But you know who the favorite kid is of the teacher? Who? The favorite kid, the one the teacher likes the most, is the one who gives the teacher nothing. No trouble, no work to do, no attention. He just sits there in class. He does his homework, he takes the test, and he doesn't bother the teacher at all. He's the student that is the favorite, even though the teacher doesn't even think about him much. And that's the enjoyable part, is that there's nothing to do for that student because he's not causing trouble. He's not getting attention. But very few of us recognize that. We want to be the star of the show. We want to sit at the front of the class or we want to sit in the back so that we can misbehave, so that the teacher can't catch us for what we're doing. Teacher doesn't like those kids either. She doesn't like the kid in the front. She doesn't like the kid in the back. She likes that kid that's somewhere in the middle who keeps his mouth shut and does his work and doesn't say anything. Okay? If you can think about it like that, then you can begin to live your life that way so that you're not either opening your mouth to complain or to misbehave, nor are you sucking up on something. That you're just good to go. This is okay the way that it actually is. Yeah, because I mean, that's a huge thing I deal with is trying to um, prop up how I feel by acting better than I am or trying to sound better than I am and seeking attention that way causes me difficulties and and uh, it'd be it'd be great to be okay with just you know but you are already okay if you just let your beast self be that way and the way that you would is by throwing out all of these old habit pattern thoughts. So to be on guard, this is what sati is really all about, is to wake up. To wake up to the thinking that you're doing. What kind of thinking are you doing right now? Sati. So, in fact, we could say that that's, in fact, a brilliant part of the teaching of the Buddha, is to wake up and to investigate the mind. What's the mind doing right now? For the very, very raw beginner, we have, uh, are you watching the breath or not? Because that's a very easy one. But you're now at the place of um, waking up to see the pity party, to wake up and see the crap, to wake up and see the wanting and desiring. And when you wake up to that, you can say, I don't have to have those thoughts. I can throw those out immediately. I do not have to go into archaeology and investigation. And so when you, you just told me, go ahead, you're about to state. Uh, just what, one thing that's coming up for me is, like, I just also have to 
keep my keep my goals or expectations reasonable like um it's not yeah like, like right you're saying very minute not goals and expectations of the future but right now can i just take a deep breath and relax well like you were talking about the belief versus investigation and and that that kind of struck a chord with me just because i can you're saying yeah yeah i have done it and and that's that's true i have and so i can say okay how can i do it you know what works what's what's on my plate right now what's what's achievable and what's something that i'm actually torturing with myself because it's unreasonable oh, at this point what's on my plate that's beautiful yeah. the answer is i don't care what's on my plate i don't need a plate let's throw that plate and its contents out and i'm comfortable without that plate of crap okay <laughs> okay What's on my plate right now? The answer is nothing. There's not anything there. That sounds okay. And if there, and if there is, throw it out. <laughs> this is what that investigation is about, is to recognize there's somebody, or, or not somebody, but I've just found out I've got stuff on my plate. <laughs> well, let's throw that stuff out clean that plate right and stuff on stuff on my plate is i can't be satisfied unless or, or i can't be satisfied if that's what mm -hmm. we're talking about right in other words what is the obstacle or what is the hindrance to you feeling satisfied the answer is the thoughts that i need this to feel good the answer is really wisdom is you don't need that to feel good. You just sit here and feel good anyway. You're in control of your feelings. If you would allow yourself to take the, to, to build the skills to be in control. But our whole society has been teaching us all along the society is you do what society tells you to do and society will meet your needs for you. And society ain't going to do nothing for you. So why do you keep trying to fulfill the needs of society? Thinking I need this. Other people, they look happy because they've got a widget. Therefore, I want a widget, too, so I can be happy. Without recognizing that uh, happiness and widgets don't have anything to do with each other. They're not mutually exclusive. Or is one the cause of the other? What about when I'm lying to myself? Because Get I it. can notice it. Recognize that you're lying to yourself. Here's the specific way, because I can, I've been trying, trying to move on this acceptance thing, both from, uh, from your end and the program's end, um, for a while now. And there's times where I'm like, oh yeah, it's okay, you know, don't have to be perfect. When I'm actually doing something that's driving me crazy, like spending all day on the computer, um, and. Uh, there's, there's Computers times where don't drive people crazy. Thoughts drive people crazy. Computers don't drive people crazy. 
wanting something off that you see on the computer, that drives people crazy. Not feeling good about myself for wasting my time and being weak-willed is the, is the oh, line of thought. Oh, look at that. Right, right. You enjoy doing the computer, and so you're playing and enjoying it, and then these thoughts come by, you're a bad boy to waste your time on the computer. Right? Yeah. Guess what? Anyone who lives to the age of 75 has spent at least 75 years wasted. There is nothing else that can be done with time other than wasting it. It just, in fact, we can't waste it, actually, it, there it goes. It's actually out there wasting itself. This is what it means by anicca. Your time is wasted. Whoops, it's gone. Whoops, there it is, gone. It's gone again. It wasted. <laughs> it wasted right away and it's gone. Okay. So, but you have been taught and remember the story that you're wasting your time. You should be productive in your time, right? Why should you be productive? <sighs> because I'm trying to sort myself out to save my life and I'm on the government's dime and I'm not who I want to be yet and can't seem to accomplish daily things. Yeah, but now so no way you, you, just, you just changed the frame of reference from this present moment, which is where I was, into a great big long future for yourself. Let's get back. I'm not to saying the thoughts are right. I'm just saying this is what goes time. to the stupid Okay. We're back to the moment in the time when you're watching, when you're on the computer, you're playing with the computer, you're having fun with the computer, and then the thought, you're wasting your time, comes up. You should be productive. That thought, that's the one we're talking about. Okay. See it. Note it. All right. Um, let's, let's talk about it this way. Eric Byrne was a student of Freud, and he became very, very famous and well-known as a, a psychologist, psychiatrist back in the 1960s and 70s. And the whole group, uh, and in fact, you could go so far as an entire frame of reference of psychology came through Eric Byrne. And Eric Byrne changed around what Freud had been calling the id, the superego, and the ego. By changing, the, and he didn't change the concept around, but he changed the labels around so that people could understand it better. And now that I understand it, I can see the Buddha also understood it directly. He just didn't link it together the way that we can link it together now. All right. The waking up, the being awake, to be able to see things clearly, to be able to, uh, to understand, to connect the dots, that's the frontal cortex, the human part of the mind, the kind of things that dogs can't do. And then we have the uh, verbal part of the mind, which is all of our language and all of our stories and all of our concepts and basically all of the all of the rules and all of the things you tell yourself. 
And then we have the child ego state, the one who controls the feelings, or the one who is the feelings, the feeling of good and the feeling of bad. Basically, what we need to do is to change the internal dialogue because you have a dialogue that's coming out of the parent ego state, which basically the Buddha is saying is learned behavior. You learned it from the past. You saw adult, when you were a kid, you saw adults behave this way, so you assume you should behave this way. And to now, all of those stories keep coming up from time to time, and they most likely are going to be coming up when you're actually enjoying yourself. So you can enjoy yourself on the computer, and here comes that parent saying, you're wasting your time. You ought to be productive. All right? And then you can embellish that. And then you can wind up work feeling bad because you were feeling good. Because feeling good to you is wasting your time. Or even worse, it's being set up for disappointment. <laughs> Well, that's because the apparent ego state's going to punish you for feeling good. Or I won't be able to maintain it. Um, well, you I won't. mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, be con contrary here. I'm just no, bringing forth the things that go through my head. This point. You're Pardon working me? it through. I say you're not being contrary to me. You're working through. You're putting the pieces together, which I would expect you to do, so that you can recognize that your own mind is preventing you from having the joy that you actually deserve. That your child ego state, actually when we're really little kids, we spend most of our time in pleasure and joy. We take our toys apart, we're curious, we do all kinds of things, but then we will do something that the parent doesn't like. The example that I tend to use is little Johnny is in there uh, with his crayons writing on the wall and he's having a ball. A nice little art he's doing there and mom comes in and catches him writing on the wall and she freaks out. Now the right thing for mom to do is to, uh, to talk to Johnny about does he like art and then tell him well this may not be the right place to do it. Let's get you an art kit. Little Johnny may be a Rembrandt or a Picasso, but the way that most moms handle it is by giving him a hard time, and now he does not remember the joy of doing the art. Now he remembers getting punished for it. And something similar like that has happened to you. So when you start enjoying yourself, you come in with that parent ego state from your memory and start to punish you. And if you have wisdom, some wisdom going on, you'll see those thoughts come up. And you'll say, aha, I see you. I'm having fun here, and you're trying to take it away from me. You're trying to make me feel bad. Now, who was that? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter whether it was an uncle or a mom or a teacher or a dad or a grandma. It doesn't matter who it is inside that's telling you that what you're doing now is not good enough. But what we do need to do is to see those thoughts and to say, aha, I am doing good enough. This is good enough. I'm okay. It's okay for me to be on the computer. It's not productive. So what? Okay, let's, let's, uh, 
I can see, I can see what, where, how to, bleh. <laughs> Down right. Um, I can, I can, I, I, I can see kind of what to look. Sorry. I say downright speech. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can see kind of what I need to look into um, in that kind of situation. How about, you know, what, um, what's your take on um, motivating myself to do things that are worthwhile and good for me um later 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 and here's why the motivation will spring naturally from joy i remember that motivations will spring naturally from joy but here you are you're trying to get motivation by kicking yourself in the ass You're using the stick. Mm -hmm. You're baiting yourself, and you've been doing that your whole many years now. I don't know the whole life. Couldn't have done it your whole life, but you've been doing it since childhood. Yeah. That what you're doing is not good enough. You ought to be more productive. And so basically we can think of it this way, Devin, it's, you need permission. You need permission to feel good. You need permission to be non-productive. You need permission to just be happy, to be who you are when you're feeling good. You need permission to do that. Because right now you've got all of this power tripping inside your brain saying you ought to do this and you got to do that. You've got all these goals made and everything like that. And in fact, you're in a marvelous setting right now. You really don't, while you're in that facility, you don't have to produce anything much. You're not under the gun until you put yourself under the gun. But you've been putting yourself under the gun your whole life and so you're in the habit of doing that, as most people are who are in that facility, and none of them are listening to an old fat man who is saying, take the pressure off, come out from under that gun. That gun is actually magical. That gun, actually, you're not under the gun, you're under a wet blanket instead. <laughs> but you're okay. You're okay. You're okay whether that wet blanket is there or not, but you don't need that wet blanket of um, you're not good enough. No, I mean, it's, it's the least helpful thing. Yeah. You already are good enough. But you need permission to have those kind of thoughts. I give you permission. It's okay with me that you're okay and you feel okay. The golden ticket. The golden ticket. I give you the ticket. <laughs> But be careful because that ticket is short term. You're going to have to, now that you've got that ticket, you're going to have to keep giving yourself a new ticket over and over and over again to remember to give you the ticket that it's okay for you to be happy. It's okay for you to be satisfied. You do not have to perform or do anything for anyone in order to be happy. You can just be happy all by yourself because you want to be and you know how.
and you have permission. Okay, that's, uh, I feel like I have a, a good load under my brain to work through on my plate even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, the whole point is just uh, you don't have anything to work on. There's nothing to work on. <clears throat> but as you continue to just enjoy the fact that you've got nothing to work on, the skill of remembering you've got nothing to work on will increase so that you can be satisfied with the way you things are now. I'll look into that. Well, that's the main teaching of the Buddha. You're already there. Just enjoy it. Just remember you're okay. Take a deep breath and enjoy. Just relax. This moment is good. That's what you need to be practicing. So sit down 10, 20 minutes several times a day and just practice feeling good. Any thought that comes in that keeps you from feeling good, throw it out. Say, I don't need to think that thought right now. I'm going to spend my time right now feeling good. <laughs> See, it works. <laughs> One of those times where something you said a bunch of times hit me in a different way. Um, Okay, Don Marano, I think that's um, as much as my brain brain's good for, for today. Um, it's good to see you. Um, I hope to talk to you sooner, um, but if I don't, um, um, then uh, I hope you're well until then. I hope to see you soon. I hope that you can be happy. I hope that you can remember that you don't have to be productive, that you don't have to get anything done, that you can just enjoy. You don't even have to throw out all of the suffering and bad feelings from the past. You can just I can think of something else instead right now. There are no solutions to the old problems. And you have my permission to be happy right now. Enjoy your life. <laughs> what else is there to do after all? Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. See you.